Before we open the word, let us pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for bringing us together on this beautiful Sunday morning. Guide your servant, Chris, that through him we may be guided. Help us to strive to be holy and to make every effort to live out your will for us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Second Peter chapter 1, starting at verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if anyone does not have them, he is nearsighted and blind, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fail, and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Nala. If you've been to our house, few of you have, you will know that we have uh, game shelves, lots of games on our shelves. We love board games. Our latest is the uh, Castles of Mad King Ludwig. I don't know if anybody's heard that. It's a fun game. Come over, we'll teach you. We'll play. We like it. Uh, but we do, we do, along with board games, also like card games, and we, we actually uh, like trivia. We don't, act, don't play like Trivial Pursuit very often, except for some reason around New Year's. We play Trivial Pursuit every New Year's. It's kind of like a, a New Year's Eve tradition with Henny's extended family, and, and it almost always ends up being guys and girls, and the guys almost always lose by one point. I don't know why that is, but it is. <laughs> We also like trivia in our house because in our bathroom, I know you're not supposed to talk about things like that here, but in our bathroom we have these books called the Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. Anybody have those? Yeah. We have stacks and stacks of them and sometimes have worn the covers off of them reading through the trivia. And it's not uncommon for somebody in our house to suddenly say, you know, I was reading in Uncle John's Bathroom Reader and give some useless trivia that you will never remember 10 minutes later and never use again, but you laugh in the moment, or you go, no, that can't be. But I read it in Uncle John's Bathroom Reader. We delight in the trivia. Right, Karis? Yeah. Sometimes, though, our knowledge, the things we know about, 
really do become trivial in a way they should never become trivial. If you read this text carefully, verse 8 especially, Peter's talking about that this whole letter is being written so that people don't make the knowledge of Christ trivial. Most of us have grown up in the church. Not all of us, but most of us have grown up in the church. Many of us actually started going to Christian schools when we were, when we were four or five years old, and we, and we continued, amen, and we continued right on through university going to Christian schools. We gained lots of knowledge. Oh, when you were Canadian Reformed? Oh, your dad was. Okay. Okay. And so in those contexts and in our homes where we have lots of knowledge about Jesus Christ and lots of knowledge about the good news of what God is doing in Christ and knowledge about what God wants to do in making all things new by the end of time, Peter's concern for his people and the Spirit's concern for us today is that that knowledge can sometimes just become trivial. Little trivia that we have in the back of our head, that we we know about God, but it doesn't change the way we live. And we've heard the good news of Jesus Christ, but we still fret and wonder whether or not our sins are forgiven. We hear that God is gracious and abounding in love, but we doubt if God can love our neighbor or our spouse or our friend. We get to those places where that knowledge is just kind of a trivia in the background. Let me read verse 8 for us here. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what it says. If, if we don't have the qualities he's talking about in this text, if we're not growing in them, this is a sign of that. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. So Peter's writing to a group of Christians who have already been forming and and learning the way of Christ. They know the gospel story, and they're hearing that good news But they're stuck. They're stuck in a place where Peter's saying, there's freedom and you're missing out on it. There's a joyful life and and you're somehow falling short of it. All of that knowledge, it's like it's stuck up inside of you and it's not changing the way you live. The knowledge about Christ is meant to seep into our hearts and transform us and then transform the way we live with others. But let's walk through the text briefly. We'll, we'll stop at three different points in the text today just to help us hear a little bit of the story of what Peter's talking about and, and the good news, the good knowledge, and then also the incredible grace that we're invited to live into. It, it begins with this. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. There's all sorts of affection going on here. We miss some of it in in the English translation, but he actually uses his personal name here. He says Simeon, not Simon. Simon is the Greek side of it. Simeon 
is the background kind of Aramaic side of how you would pronounce his name. It's a little more affectionate, a little more personable. And he's, he's talking to them with this gentleness. Remember, this is kind of brash Peter. This is, this is Peter who wanted to jump out of the boat. Tell me it's you and I'll walk on the water with you, Jesus. It's Peter who said, I'll never deny you. It's Peter who took out the sword in the garden, attempting to take on the whole contingent of, of, the, of the temple guard there and, and rescue Jesus. It's this Peter who's suddenly been transformed. And he's in a place now where he's gentle and he's longing for the good of the people. And even though Christ has elevated him to be the leader of the early church, he's living in such a way that he's approachable and he's saying, I'm Simeon, you know me. Come here, I, I've got something to tell you. And what I need to tell you is that Jesus Christ is God. I don't know if you caught that there, but it's incredibly important for the way he moves through this text. He says, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. This was radical for a Jewish person to say that Jesus Christ is our God and Savior. It's God in the flesh. Remember the, what they called the Shema? It, it was what the Israelites, what good Israelites said almost on a daily basis. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It was a way of saying there is only one God. And that God is the creator over everything. He's huge. He's immense. He's beyond us. He is holy. And Peter is saying that holiness of God, that holy God has come in the flesh of the person of Jesus Christ. And he dwelled among us. And he sacrificed himself for us. God the Israel God, the holy and almighty God who opened up the earth and swallowed people who defied him. Israelites who, who came with incense and said, we can worship God however we want and we can make a name for ourselves by how we worship God. And they used even Aaron's kids. The first high priest, his kids used the incense in the altar in ways they shouldn't. And the ground opened up and swallowed them. That holy God, Peter is saying, that God took on human form in the person of Jesus Christ and dwelled among us, and not only dwelled among us, but died for us to save us from our sins. It's similar to the passage we opened up with. Peter's doing a reframing here like John did. It's not that God sent Jesus into the world to condemn the world but that the world might be saved through him. And Peter is trying to get his audience to hear the immensity of the good news that God, the almighty, holy creator of all that is, came and dwelled among us in such a personable way in the person of Jesus Christ. That God has given us his righteousness. He's given us freely given us his righteousness not because we earned it but because that God who is holy is so loving that he lavishes that love on us and gives it to us.
Peter, starting there with this incredible good news, continues to move on. Verse 3, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. There's a few things here. Talking about his divine power. That divine power is another way of talking about the Holy Spirit. This God, this holy God who came and lived among us as a human being who could be touched and eaten meals with and spend time with, that God, that holy God also gives us his own spirit to empower us to live holy lives. In other words, this holiness of God, this incredible love of God, God's giving it to us, but God's also giving himself to us so that we don't have to figure it out. So that we don't have to say, I don't know how to do it. I can't do it. I, I remember I sinned. <laughs> remember, I, I've sinned again and again. I, I can't get there myself. Even if you've given me your holiness, I can't live up to it. And Peter's saying, this holiness that God is giving, God also gives us his Holy Spirit to equip us to live into that holiness and leave us on our own to figure it out. It's not like he wiped the slate clean and said, now start all over. He wiped the slate clean and then drew a new story for us. Wrote a new story for us that draws us into the holiness of God, that, that trains us and teaches us to live into the holiness of God through the Holy Spirit. So we're not left on our own. This is the good news. <laughs> And Peter is overflowing with this good news. If you read all the way through it, he comes back. He enters into the suffering of the people. He enters into the bewilderment of the end times. He, and he comes back to, but I want you to grow in the midst of all these circumstances in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The longing of Peter. The gentle longing of Peter is for a people to realize the knowledge they've been given and the power they've been given by the Holy Spirit to live new lives, lives that are transformed, lives that are not bound up in fear of trying to appease a holy God they can never live up to, not lives that are caught up in, in possessing things and saying, I, I need to control this because i got to defend myself and protect myself and live for myself, but lives that are generous and overflowing with the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. It's in that context of what God has already done in Christ, what God is doing in the Holy Spirit, that he adds this word. Now, <laughs> make every effort. Now that you have already been given this new life, now that you have already been empowered by the Holy Spirit who is alive in you, now make every effort. And the great part about this word, he could have used another word called ergo. It comes, ergon comes with the idea of work. It has that idea of effort as if you're digging soil and all that. He uses a completely different word here. It has more the sense of be eager to do. Be eager to go about. 
Be eager to make efforts. Desire it. Long for it. Long for this new life that Jesus is giving through the Holy Spirit. Long and desire for it. Be eager to jump into it and figure it out how it works. Go explore. Maybe that's a good way to frame it. The make every effort is an invitation to come and explore with the Holy Spirit in us the fullness of this new life in Jesus Christ. Instead of being fearful and and being in a posture where we're afraid that if we do something wrong, God's going to strike us down. Peter's saying, that wrath has been taken. We no longer need to fear. We can experiment in how we go out and, and put this new life into action. We can experiment with how we, we live into the fullness of, of the new life. And then it's as if he sets a buffet before us. This whole buffet of, of things that are, make up this new life. And not only the faith, but goodness. And not only goodness, but even more knowledge. And not only knowledge, but self-control. And, and not only self-control, but perseverance. And, and with perseverance, godliness. And with godliness, this brotherly, this brotherly friendship or, or kindness or, or mutual affection. And, and not only that, but agape love. It's as if he's put a whole buffet in front of us. And he says, you can pick and choose and begin where you want or, or try two or three of them at a time. It's okay. Fill up on the Spirit. Fill up on this new life in the Spirit. Go ahead. It's good. It's a gift from God and it's right before you. Take, eat, try the knowledge of God. Try the wisdom. Try the, try the self-control. Experiment with it because God is giving you all these good things as a gift. We head into the summer. I'm going to invite us to be playful. Summer is a good time to be playful, right? It's a good time to go out, play, be outdoors, enjoy. I'm going to invite us as a congregation to be playful with one of these in particular. It's that brotherly kindness, or as the newer translations say, the mutual affection that we would increase in mutual affection for one another. So we're going to do something that sounds hokey and cheesy. You guys okay with hokey and cheesy this morning? Yeah? You don't have a choice. (laughs) We cannot grow in mutual affection if we don't even know each other's names. So my name's Chris. Thank you! (laughs) I want you to turn to a neighbor for a moment, someone sitting near you, and just say, hi, my name is, and then introduce yourself. Go ahead. My name is Chris. Hey, Chris, I'm Hank. Hi, Hank. My name is Chris. My name is Lise. Hi, Lise. Nice to meet you.
if we are going to Hi, Judy. I'm Chris. Yeah. Yes, hi, Rich Bosch. <laughs> it is good to simply learn each other's names. And I don't know if you noticed, but the, the sense of joy went up in the room as you were doing that. And some of you actually got up out of your seats and went and talked to other people that I'm guessing you haven't met or known their names before, even though you've seen them here. And that's a good thing. So next week, Sunday, we're doing a whole lot in the service, and it's going to be an exciting morning. We have Sunday school graduations. We have the, the ordination of new elder and deacons. We're celebrating communion, but we're going to do one more thing. I'm going to call it Name Tag Sunday. And so when you come in next week, we're going to have a whole pile of name tags by the doors. Some of you might want to get here early so you can decorate yours because you're kind of that way. You can't write your name just like I did as a plain thing. You need all sorts of decorations on that. That's all right. We'll put all sorts of colored markers out too. You can do it in a variety of ways. We're going to make time for everybody to put a name tag on. Even if you show up late, you can still put a name tag on. So we're going to put name tags on because part of the way that we can grow in mutual affection for one another is simply learning each other's names. And throughout the summer, my hope is that as we learn each other's names, we're also going to say, hey, you want to go get coffee sometime? Or do you want to come over to our house sometime for desserts? Or do you want to come over to our house for board games? Not to put my wife on the spot. <laughs> but we're going to invite people over to the Schoon household, and we're going to have people over, and I hope others of you do the same thing. Have people over. Invite people in your homes. Increase in this practice of mutual affection for one another, because if we do that, it is going to safeguard against our knowledge of Jesus Christ simply becoming trivial to us. If we grow in mutual affection, we're actually going to fulfill together the last commandment Jesus gave his disciples before he went to the cross. Do you know what that commandment was? was? It's a simple one. A new commandment I give you. Love one another. The Christian faith, in essence, is not that complicated. God loved us, in his son Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit calls us to share that same love with other people. That's the gospel. In a very short thing, God, the creator of the whole universe, loved us in his son Jesus Christ so much so that he was willing to die for us. And now the Holy Spirit of God lives in us and because of that empowers us to go out and love one another. God loved us. Let us love one another. I want us to read something together. Owen, can you put that up on the screen? This has a direction. This loving one another is not just about us making a name for ourselves or being known as the church that loves, which is not a bad thing. It'd be good if we were known for that. But it fits into what God's doing. 
And God's moving us towards this day. And so please read with me. We'll read this in unison. We rejoice in the goodness of God, renounce the works of darkness, and dedicate ourselves to holy living. As covenant partners set free for joyful obedience, we offer our hearts and lives to do God's work in the world with tempered impatience eager to see injustice ended we expect the day of the Lord we are confident that the light which shines in the present darkness will fill the earth when Christ appears come Lord Jesus our world belongs to you let's pray thank you thank you thank you thank you for loving us for coming to find us when we had turned away from you, for raising us in homes and families that that knew you and and where we heard the good news, for drawing us close to you that, that we might hear again and again and again these reminders of how great your love is for us in Jesus Christ. Because of that love and because of the Holy Spirit who dwells among us even right now in this moment, We pray that you would make us into a loving people. Increase our mutual affection for one another that we might spill over with the good news of Christ into each other's lives and that our knowledge of you might not be mere trivia but would flow into lives full of your grace in Christ. And by the Spirit we pray. Amen. Invite us to stand and sing in response, Yesu, Yesu, fill us with your love. Please.